Okay. Breathing room. We got to watch that every week just to be reminded how crazy our lives can get. Uh, before we get into the message, a couple things I want to share. First of all, um, I really uh, appreciate and so inspired by the singles ministry and the conference they had this past weekend. Uh, what an incredible time. I saw pictures. I've heard great stories. I really appreciate Javon and Miwa sharing uh, this morning about what they got out of the conference. And uh, I also wanted to, I was asked to just correct one fact that Javon uh, shared was the goal that they, ra- that they wanted to raise money for for Hope Worldwide was 15000 They actually raised over $33,000 to go to Hope Worldwide to support projects all around the world. I love uh, being a part of a church that is worldwide, and we have relationships and um, and just vision worldwide to spread the gospel throughout the whole world, not just in our local cities, but throughout the whole world. So when the singles or the campus or leadership get to do these conferences and kind of see what God's doing around the world, it's really, uh, really inspiring stuff. Uh, I'm really excited about how God is moving here in the Greater Long Beach Church. Uh, the past three weeks in a row, we've been at, hanging out at Belmont Shore, just seeing people getting baptized. And it's been an amazing, amazing time. And today, we have two more that are getting baptized. And um, I'm really excited how God is moving in the hearts of our young men and women in the teen ministry. And uh, we have two teenagers getting baptized uh, today at 5 o'clock at Belmont Shore. And that is Garen Bracero right over here. Garen, Garen is a junior at Long Beach Poly, and uh, his mom and dad, Dexter and Tracy, are right back there, and Dexter and Tracy have been faithful uh, members of the congregation here for many years. And then we have Tatiana Egilus getting baptized today, and Tatiana is a freshman at Wilson High School, and her parents are here. They've been disciples for a long This is Roberto and Sandy right over here, and... Uh, what an incredible uh, miracle to be able as a parent to go and to, to see your children make decisions that Jesus is Lord. Uh, nothing else is Lord, but Jesus is Lord. And I'm really uh, encouraged by that. I do want to encourage the church. We need to wrap our arms around the teen ministry. These young men and women are, are in high schools, and we know the pressure cooker that high school can be, and they're standing their ground. They're saying, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm not going to follow the world. I'm not going to follow what's, r- what's cool right now. I'm following Jesus. And this excludes a lot of people in their life, and, and people think it's weird. And I know at work you, you think it's weird, and, and at colleges you think it, people think it's weird, but just think about being in high school as a 15-year-old, a 14-year-old, a 16-year-old. And so I want to encourage you as a church, every time we see one of the teenagers, Give him a big hug. Just say, stand firm. Persevere. We are with you. This is your family, teens. And I want to make sure that you know that. And the church, we know that. Amen, church? All right. Let's uh, pray and get into God's word. God, thank you so much for this time. Open our hearts. Open our minds. Uh, help us to see what you want us to see from your word. That we will leave here today uh, desiring to create more breathing room in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been using these props lately, right? Uh, we've said, we've talked about breathing room. And we've said, you know, 
it's okay to have a cluttered closet, but it's not okay for your life to look like this. It's not okay for you to pack so much in to your schedule, to your finances and your budgeting and all this kind of stuff to where you have no room to breathe, no margin for error. And uh, we talk, we've been talking about that lately and how God gives us uh, principles from his word that create and give us space to breathe. And how our lives should be looking a lot more like this than like that. But yet how many decisions we make in life over and over and over again to cram and live at the limit. And so we would describe and define breathing room as the space, the space between our current pace and our limit. And uh, last week, you know, the past couple of weeks, we, we, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how God gave his, his people, the Israelites, some different laws in the Bible to, to, to create a space for breathing. And, and the principle is this is a faith issue and a fear issue. When we're living like this, we're afraid of something. We're afraid of missing out. We're afraid of falling behind. We're afraid of something. We're afraid our kids may not make it. And, uh, and so we, we've been talking about that, how God in his word says, I'm God. I will provide. I will help you out. I, w- I am God. Just trust me. And then last week we talked about time specifically. And we talked about how in Psalm 90, uh, Moses writes this incredible psalm, and he gives us a little nugget about time. He says, to, uh, n- teach me, God, to number my days that I may gain a heart of wisdom. Because our time is limited, and therefore we must limit what we do with our time. I, um, I, I think this, this has been so, for me personally, just so I share this, this has been such a huge uh, lesson series for me and Marina in our lives, in our household. Um, we, in the mi- as a minister, our, our switch, my switch is always on. And in terms of I'm always thinking and considering and calling and, you know, answering and meeting. And, and there's, there's a level of, man, there, when I, I'm just running, 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 running. And... To my, you know, in my weakness, what gets neglected is what's most important. Does that make sense? And I, I think a lot of us can relate to this. I mean, especially as men, we, 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 get, we, we drown ourselves. We dive into the work of our hands because we want to see results and, 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 and we want to see plans laid out and we want to build. We want to innovate. We want to create. And I don't, God's not against all that stuff, but... But what happens is we start running and running and we leave what's most important behind, which is our spouse, our children, our, fam- our relationships. And uh, lately in our, in our marriage, Marina and I have seen this, where I was saying, I had started to say yes to too many things. And I wasn't saying no enough. And so we've made some decisions, right? We took that breathing card. Well, we didn't mi- literally take the breathing card that I gave out, but the principle we talked about we we need to do less of this we need to do more of this let me take this out i need to be more disciplined and number my days that i may gain a heart of wisdom and invest in what's most important in my life which is 
my wife, Marina, my oldest daughter, Isabella, my second daughter, Raquel, a.k.a. Rocky, and my son, my newborn son, Jonathan, and my relationships. So not just my relationships with my family, but my relationships with my family, the relationships. Because when we cram stuff into our schedule, we live at the limit, what suffers the most is our relationships. And that's what we've been talking about lately. And, and then we're rushing all the time. We talked about this last week. It, and, and I think, and I'll just say this. I just need to put this out there. I think for the church, for members in the congregation, when you're in a habit of coming to church late on Sundays, you're cramming stuff in. There is a habit. There's a tendency. There's, a, there's almost an expectation. I see it. I see it. I see how many people come in 10 minutes, 15 minutes late to church, and it's like sometimes it's the same people. And I'm wondering, where is your breathing room to where you, you realize this is the day of the Lord, and so I will be there a little bit early to be able to worship and give and serve, but yet we're running in frantic during the second song. And then we're making all this noise in the back, and it's distracting for those of us who got here early. Anyway, I'm not going to talk about that today. <laughs> I just wanted to put that out there. I want to encourage us. Let's When we're not cramming in our schedules, we're creating breathing space. We, we show up places on time. We show up places early. It's not just church. It's, it's, it's in every facet of our life. Are you guys with me here? God, you know, sometimes I think we confuse breathing room with just like, oh, I'm going to lay on the beach and just let life happen to me. I, I, that's not what we're talking about. God, God loves, God's a creator. So God loves progress and movement and creation and innovation and building. He, God loves it. You read the book of the Bible. This is what God, God loves to move people. Let's go. Let's do something. Let's, let's dream big. Let's. Let's think long. God loves that stuff. But, and, in, and in fact, the Bible talks about in John chapter 10, Jesus says that following him, he says here, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I mean, this is, this is a promise of Jesus, that you and I would have a full life. People think following Jesus is following a bunch of rules and it's boring and I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do that, I can't, I'm burdened by all this stuff, but it's not true. Following Jesus, because when we're trusting, and we have faith, and we're living by faith, there's breathing room, there's space, there's margin, and we're not always living on the edge, on the limit, about to tip over. When there's breathing room, life to the full. And we talked a few weeks ago about how our lives would look like if we really believe, if we really believe that God knows what you need. That God knows what you need. Matthew 6, verse 31 says, so don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And, and your heavenly father, he knows that you need them. And his righteousness, all these things. 
will be given to you as well. I think, you know, some, some, an image that, I, that comes to my mind when I think about this and, 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 our, and our desire, our need to just pack things into our schedules or live at the limit financially and these kind of things. I think about um, uh, my little girl's birthday party. You know, every birthday party, you know, we're a Hispanic family, so we got to bring out the piñata. You got to bring out the piñata. So you get the piñata out, right? Everybody knows what piñata is, right? Do I need the English? Do I need the English word for it? Piñata. Piñata. <laughs> Everybody knows what the piñata is, right? So, so you hang this thing up there, and and you you blindfold the kids, and you spin them around a little bit, and well, especially the older kids, you got to spin them around. You got to you got to spin them. And so and they're swinging at that thing. Now, what happens when the piñata breaks and all the candy falls out? I mean, it's like a war zone. And these kids, listen, if you don't get there first, you're going to get stuck with no candy. So all the kids just dive. I mean, I've seen kids literally jump and dive into the pile of candy. And then they get, they have these little baskets, and they're stuffing that candy in, stuffing it in, stuffing it in. And you as a parent, you know that you got bags of candy. Because you don't put all the bags of candy in the piñata. You only put a little bit, right? So you know you got bags of candy in, in, in your kitchen. And so your kids come in with you with candy overflowing, just falling out of their little basket. And they're saying they want more. And you're like, son, daughter, don't worry. I got a lot of candy for you. Don't worry. You don't get stuff it in. I think, I think God's like that with us. Because we're like the kids, you know. We're, we, we want and need and want and need. And if I don't do this, then this is going to happen. And then that's going to happen. And I'm going to miss out. And I'm not going to make it. And we, we get all frantic. And we chase after the candy. We want more candy, more candy, more candy, more candy. And God's like, listen, take it easy. Take it easy. You know, don't worry. Don't worry about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat. Don't you know God knows? Your Heavenly Father knows that you need Him. What if we live our life knowing that way? So we're going to talk about money today. Money, 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 money. We're talking about money. Now, I don't want your money. We're not going to talk about that today. This is not about. Uh, this is not about our our giving and our tithing and that way. Uh, th- th- we're not talking about that. What we're talking about today is our attitude about money. Time is limited, so you need to limit what you do with your time. You know, money is limited, but you don't have to limit what you do with your money. You know why? You can't borrow more time. But you can borrow more money. And in borrowing money, financially, our world begins to look like this. And all of a sudden, we're, we're, we're slaves to debt. But we need it. If I don't have it, then I can't afford it, then... I need it, though, and I want it, so I have to get it. And we're in this cycle of just borrowing money. You see, because time time is limited, 
for you to limit what you do your time. But the interesting thing about money is money, money is limited, but, but you don't have to limit your money because you can borrow money. And people are out to get us, right? Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, there is a relationship between your ability to follow Jesus and how you approach money. Think about this. There is a relationship. If you consider yourself a Christ follower, somebody who wants to follow Jesus and is striving to follow Jesus, there is a relationship between your ability to follow Jesus and your attitude towards money. And we're going to see that today. The big difference, there's a little nugget I want to give you that's kind of like an overarching theme for today. The big difference, there's a big difference between standard of living and quality of life. Big difference between standard of living and quality of life. Every advertisement, every marketing scheme wants us to believe that if we raise our standard of living, we will raise our quality of life. You can raise your standard of living with debt. But you raise your quality of life with discipline. And we usually enjoy debt more than discipline. We're okay with a little debt, but the decision to be disciplined about our finances, we don't really enjoy. And so we get into this weird kind of mental cycle of believing the lies that if I raise my standard of living, I will raise my quality of life. The, um, the, the world wants us to believe this. The, the, the world wants us to believe that you need certain things in order to ra- raise your quality of life. Okay, so, um, oh, here's a cool little uh, quote. One definition of maturity is learning to delay pleasure. Children do what feels good. Adults devise a plan and follow it. Some of us need to write this down. Because it's true. Children do what feels good. And this kind of lifestyle, it, it, we're, we're, we believe, we're lied to, we're, we're, we're sold the idea that this kind of lifestyle is okay. And we believe it. We're so we're drowning, and this looks so unattainable. I'll never get there because if I get if I have to get there, that means I have to give up all these things that are crammed in my closet. I can't give that up. I need it. Um. Okay, this here. You know what this is? iPhone 6 just came out, right? iPhone 6 Plus. This is like somewhere in Minneapolis or something like that. I mean, these guys are like just waiting in line. Look at this. Thousands. This is in London. Thousands. Waiting in line for the iPhone 6. Because if I get the iPhone 6 with the money that I don't have, it will raise my quality of life. I mean, Apple is a master at this. You have to have the iPhone 6. You have to get it. 
Look at this lady. She was the first customer to get it in London. She's walking out like, woo <laughs> you know? And the employees, they're doing a gauntlet like, yeah, let's go. I mean, this is, this is what's sold to us. This is in Germany. You can tell it's because of the fanny pack. <laughs> you know? And so, I guess it's like a European thing, right? I don't know. So look at these guys. These are the first two customers to get their iPhone 6, and it's a party. This, this is like, we look at it on the outside, and we're like, this is crazy. But you know, you know, you might not wait in line, but mentally you're waiting in line. On the computer, you're waiting in line. Because I'm going to order this online, right? I don't want people to know how bad I want it, but I'm going to order it online. This is how we get. And the employees are like, yeah, come on. Look at this. I mean, they look like they're in line waiting for, for like food or something like that. They don't even look happy. But I've got to get this phone to increase my quality of life, even though I don't have the money to pay for it. Creating breathing room financially may lower your standard of living, but it will raise your quality of life. Creating breathing room financially may lower your standard of living, but raise your quality of life. At some point along the way, quality of life will be more important than standard of living. When you get to the end, when you number your days and you're at the end of your days and you look back on your life, you'll realize, man, my quality of life could have been so much better if I would have lowered my standard of living. I kept on chasing, I kept on chasing, I kept on going after and living at the limit. And this is what we think. A lot of us think, well, if I just had a little bit more, things would be fine. But the thing about that is that you thought the same thing 10 years ago. When you're making $10,000 less or $20,000 less, you thought the same thing. Again, it's a lie that we tell ourselves. Like we, we have, in order for me to create breathing room, I've got to get a better job. I've got to, there is some truth to all this stuff, but not the expense living this sort of life. Think about your marriage. What would you rather have, an awesome spiritual marriage or a horrible marriage with a lot of cool cars? Some of you may be thinking, what kind of, it depends on what kind of cars. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. When you think about standard of living and you think about quality of life, what do you think God is more concerned about? A God who loves you so much that he was willing to send Jesus, his son, to die on the cross for us. What do you think he's more concerned about? Your standard of living or your quality of life? Let's do a little, uh, some picture studies here, okay? Some graphs. I'm going to give you a little graph here, all right? So this line right here is money, right? This line right here is time. You guys following me here so far? All right, so what's the top, the, the, the side line? Money, 
Bottom line is time. Okay? Now, this, through our lives, this is sort of how our income looks. As you get older, you, you, you know. Now, obviously, there's ups and downs, and there's bumps along the way and all that kind of stuff. But through life, usually, you know, you're, you're hoping that your income increases as you get more education, all, all that kind of stuff, right? Now, this is what our spending should look like. And if our spending is there, look what we get. Breathing room. When our spending is below our income, there's breathing room. There's space. There's margin. There's emergency funds. There's savings. There's all these things that we need, right? The reality, though, is that many of us are right here, close to the income line. Like we make it, and, and we get to the month, and we have just enough at the end of the month. And we're at the limit, we're at the edge of our spending. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. And this is our society, this is, this is us at times. We make this amount of money, so I've got to spend it all to the limit. And then I'm wondering why I'm always stressed out. I wonder why my wife and I are getting in so many arguments. I wonder why in our world there's so, many divor- so much divorce. Because we live like this. Now, the majority of Americans live here. Where we're spending more than what we make. And we're borrowing and we're borrowing some like invisible money. Do you know what I mean? And we're, we're, we're spending more than we make. Um, when we live like this, what happens? Who do we become a slave to? The lender. But the reality is, the majority of Americans live right there. Think about it. Think about your life. I bet you anything, there's a bunch of us in here, many of us, who are living right there right now. And we're wondering why we're so, we feel so much pressure, so much anxiety. I want to show uh, a quick uh, kind of video to kind of illustrate, maybe lighten, lighten the mood a little bit in here so it's not a little quiet. <laughs> okay. We're never going to get out of this hole. Credit card debt, does it ever end? <laughs> Maybe I can help. We sure could use it. We've tried debt consolidation companies. We've even taken out loans to help make payments. Well, you're not the only ones. Did you know millions of Americans live with debt they cannot control? That's why I developed this unique new program for managing your debt called Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. <laughs> tell you where and how in chapter three. Okay, but what if I want something but I don't have any money? 
you don't buy it. <laughs> well, let's say I don't have enough money to buy something. Should I buy it anyway? No. <laughs> now I'm really confused. It's a little confusing at first. Well, what if you have the money? Can you buy something? Yes. Now take the money away. Same story? Nope. You shouldn't buy stuff when you don't have the money. <laughs> I think I got it. I buy something I want and then hope that I can pay for it, right? No. You make sure you have money, then you buy it. Oh, then you buy it. But shouldn't you buy it before you have the money? No. Why not? It's in the book. It's only one page long. <laughs> the advice is priceless and the book is free. Wow, I like the sound of that. Yeah, we can put it on our credit card. <laughs> So get out of debt now. Write for your free copy of Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. And if you order now, you also receive Seriously, If You Don't Have the Money, Don't Buy It. Along with a 12-month subscription to Stop Buying Stuff magazine. So order today. <laughs> I'm so confused. That's so confusing. But that's how we live. We buy stuff that we can't afford. And then we wonder why. Why we're so why we're arguing all the time. Why we're so pressured, right? It's more like choking room instead of breathing room. And choking room because in Mark chapter four it says, fill others. Jesus is telling a parable and he's he's talking about how, how the seeds fall in different types of soil, different types of uh, of, of hearts. And he says in, in Mark four in, in one of the soils, it's a thorny soil, he says Still others like seeds sown among thorns hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. The worries of this life, the deceitfulness, this is... This is life in our society today. The deceitfulness of wealth. You have to have this iPhone 6. It'll increase your quality of life. The deceitfulness of wealth. The desire for other things. And so Jesus, as he's, Jesus, if you look at the Gospels, if you read the Gospels, Jesus talks about money a lot. Because he knows something in our nature. And this is what he says, interestingly, after he shares a parable about money. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and the devil. No, he doesn't say that. You cannot serve both God and your family. No. You cannot serve both God and your sinful nature. No. You cannot serve both God and Very interesting that Jesus uses this to describe slavery. He says this is, this is so important for followers of Jesus because we cannot follow Jesus if our finances look like this. Because what's happening is we're slaves then. We're slaves to money. And we may think Jesus is Lord. But actually, money is Lord because we're at the limit all 
the time. After, after he says this, the Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. These are the religious people, the church people. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. What people in our world value highly is detestable in God's sight. He says another similar thing in Matthew 6 where he talks about where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If money, if finances is the pressure point, the tension point in your family, in your life, you know where your heart lies. Because you're not trusting that God will provide. In a similar way, Paul, the apostle, writes to the young minister of, of the church in Ephesus in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. And he says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now, I found this interesting because it's a letter that he wrote to a minister. And in it, he says, he doesn't say request, persuade, encourage, urge. He says, command. Command those who are rich in this present world. Command them not to be arrogant, but to put their hope in God. Command them. And he says, because God richly provides with everything for our enjoyment. So it's not like God wants us to be like worried and pressured and not have anything. And fe- He doesn't want that. He wants everything for our enjoyment. Our issue is, do we really believe that? God's not out to get you. God's not out to punish you. And give you limited resources. God's not. God wants everything to provide everything for your enjoyment. Now you say, well, this is for the rich. Well, in many parts of the world, you would be considered rich. In many parts of the world, the college student who makes almost zero money would be considered rich. Because you know you go to Starbucks about two or three times a week. You know you can scrape around some, some money to get some in and out double double animal style. You know it. I go to this, there's a new Starbucks right there in Palo Verde in spring, brand new. It's right by Millican High School. It's packed with teenagers. It's packed after school with teenagers. I'm like, these kids getting all this money. They're like literally buying Starbucks every day of their life. I'm like, this is incredible. They would be considered rich in many parts of the world. He, command, he, he continues in verse 18, and he says, Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. This is not life. This is truly life. This is what God wants for us. But we want to live at the limit. It's like we enjoy living at the limit. Breathing room is a concept that is foreign to our brains. 
says, do good and be rich in good deeds and be generous. You know, I do got to say that I love this church. It's a very generous church. It is a very generous church. We've given special missions for many years. We've support churches around the world. We've given benevolence to uh, uh, support uh, community projects as well as uh, brothers and sisters who need help. It's a very generous church. But what's convicted me a lot lately is that God watches. God's watching you. God's watching us. And there is, even if you look at our newsletter today, and you look in the back, we pledged a certain amount at the beginning of the year, and we've given under that pledge for months to the Lord. And I'm wondering, are we creating Are we backsliding in our generosity? Are we more concerned about our life or what truly is life? You can blame unemployment or the economy, but I truly believe that much can be solved if we understood that it's not ours in the first place. And if we learn to manage and be better stewards and not be slaves to it, but manage it. There will be breathing room and we'll be giving more and more and more and more. Some of you have received promotions and raises but haven't raised your giving. Some of you have double income in your home and yet are giving way less than what you know you could give. These are for the members of the church here. Some of you haven't given in months and you wonder why you're so tight financially. Some of us are just prideful and unwilling to get our help or advice in our finances. Some of us are living by fear and not by faith in our finances. Some of us are just spending somewhere when you know you shouldn't. You can't afford that iPhone 6, but you still get it. Because you feel like you need it. And wherever you're at, you cannot, Jesus says, you cannot serve both God If you're not a follower of Jesus here today and you're not into the whole kind of church thing, you can't tell me that your life is awesome when you're living at the limit of your finances. You know you can't afford that vacation. You know you, your wife doesn't want you to, ha- to, to have all those work hours. You, you know you have one too many credit cards. There's slavery to money. You may not agree with Jesus' statements, but you have to agree with the principle and the concept that money can control us. And master us. Our culture tells us that if you raise your standard of living, you will increase your quality of life. Man, if we just had the mentality of I'm just a money manager. God loves us at the end of the day. God loves you. He doesn't want you at the limit. He says, come back. Come back from the edge. Don't go there. Breathe a little bit. I'm going to provide for you. Don't you know? That I know that you need that? Why are you so afraid? I want you to enjoy life to the full. Stop being a slave to money. That's not the life God wants for you. God wants this for each one of us. So today, here's what you need to do. 
decide. You need to decide. I am no longer going to live in the limit. Make a decision. It's just a decision. This is like the easiest advice anybody could give you. Just decide. It's like working out. Once you decide, you're going to go do it. You just decide. I'm going to make some effort to not allow money to enslave me. Set a breathing room goal. Remember that, that graph we showed with the breathing room right there? Standing below. Set a goal with your spouse. Set a goal. I'm gonna li- we're going to do this, and our percentage, 5% is going to be breathing room. 10% is going to be breathing room, whatever. Set a breathing room goal. Spy on your money. You don't know what's going on with your money? Spy on it. You guys are like, you guys are probably like, oh, this is a really great financial management uh, uh, seminar here. No, spy on your money. Everybody knows this. Just, just spy on your money. For the next two months, just write down every penny that you're spending, and then you'll be able to see where your money is going. And you'll start getting control and managing it without it managing you. Cut spending. Some of us need to make some radical decisions to cut spending. Whether it be downsizing, whether it be cutting out, just cut spending. It's very simple. Create a debt retirement plan. A lot of us have student loans or mortgage, whatever, all, all these different debts, credit card debt. Man, what if we just, let's, let's create a plan to bring that down. It requires a lot of humility, getting help. I really appreciate Vincent Nicole Roberts for leading our free financial freedom ministry. Many couples, many singles, many college students have gone to them, gotten just practical help on how to create a budget. Man, if we had just a little bit more breathing room individually, it would translate victory for our souls. There's just so much victory for souls all around us. Cut spending. Create a debt retirement plan. You know, the, the, uh, Dave Ramsey has this thing called Financial Peace Revisited. It's Financial Peace University. Research it. We're going to actually, as a church, look into it as part of a program that we can offer here uh, because we don't want something from you. We want something for you. Does that make sense? So, so we got, I, I want us to think that way. I think that way. I want something for you, that we all are working together to create breathing room to not live like that. The chief competitor for your heart is not the devil. It's stuff, money. Jesus came to die for your sins so we can go to heaven so he would be Lord of our lives, not money, but that he would be Lord of your lives. So we need breathing room. Creating breathing room financially may lower your standard of living, but it will raise your quality of life. Let's get out of slavery, brothers and sisters. Life to the full. That's the promise. Decide. Set a goal. Spy on your money. Cut spending. Get out of debt. Whatever it is, but let's not be enslaved to money. Let's pray together. And we'll sing one more song. God, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for the wisdom from Jesus, from Paul. Help us to be rich in good deeds. Help us, God, to be a people that is generous. Help us to be a people that creates breathing room because we don't want to be slaves to money. Father, Jesus is Lord. We don't want money to be Lord. Help us to make wise choices, wise decisions. 
that we may bring glory to you in managing your money. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. We'll sing a song and be dismissed.